Listeners, and welcome to a special edition of Fatal Follower Presents the Leatherface Love Fest. We are going to be talking about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2022. And uh, we're also going to be given a breakdown of where it ranks along the franchise because all three of us, my two guests, we rewatched the franchise recently. Actually, in the past week, I think we've all binged it. And we're ready to talk about where this new one ranks in the overall franchise. But first, I want to welcome uh, two of my ghoul friends, my terror fiends from far away, uh, Doug Connor and Bill Nugent. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yes. I'm so glad you could join in these very windy and snowy conditions. Um, what a perfect uh, time of year to watch horror movies. What we were given in the month of February was a Valentine directly from David Blue Garcia, which is what brings us all together today. And it is for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, it is a 2022 release. It just released this last Friday. Um, screenplay by Chris Thomas Devlin from an original story co-written by Fetty Alvarez and Rolo Saez. I hope I'm saying that name right. Uh, it is a sequel to The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, and it is the ninth installment of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Uh, this particular film is picking up several decades after the original film. Uh, the story focuses on Leatherface targeting a group of teens and coming into conflict with a vengeful survivor of his previous murders we all know as Sally Hardesty. Um, this movie is, I think if you go online right now, it's kind of like Halloween Kills. A lot of people are divided with it. A lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. I haven't seen a lot of in-between, in the middle, kind of uh, in the middle of the road for this reaction. Um, but let's start with our initial reactions, and then we'll get into the overall review of the film. Uh, Doug, what was your first reaction after watching that final after credit scene? What did you think of the movie? And then we'll go to Bill. Uh, as a whole, I honestly, I loved it. I think that it's, it's a movie, I feel it's one of those things, like it knows exactly what it is. Um, on Letterboxd, I gave it three and a half out of five. I really enjoyed it for what it was from beginning to end. Uh, <clears throat> I liked it too. I... Um didn't it's like i've talked with doug about this you know i'm not a huge you know dedicated fan of you know texas chainsaw massacre franchise um mainly because of what happened after you know the first movie once it gets into the second third you know i just got kind of weird for me so i kind of left it for a while but with this one you know i guess based on everything we know even if it doesn't coincide <laughs> with all the other films for what it was, you know, I thought, I thought they did a really good job. I mean, it, um, it has the gore factor is just off the chart, you know? So yeah, I, I liked it. 
Yeah, and I'll echo that sentiment too. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed uh, the gore, of course. I like uh, when I seen the name Fetty Alvarez because I did like his Evil Dead. Uh, I, I always call it a sequel because of that after credit scene, but it is really sort of a reboot remake. Uh, but I really enjoyed his version of Evil Dead, and I was pretty excited because I knew that even if anything, this movie, him attached, would have that gore factor. And this movie brought a lot of gore. Uh, there, It's a lot of practical, it looks like, with maybe some CGI in there, but I really couldn't tell the difference. Um, it's, it's shot well enough for it to, if there was CGI, uh, it didn't look like it. It wasn't taking me out of the movie, which is a plus for a slasher movie of this caliber. Uh, this is a movie, like I said, that just skipped theaters altogether. So I was, um, I think uh, Doug and I had talked about this, but I was a little sad and disheartened that I didn't get to see this on the big screen. But after a long, crazy week, I was looking forward to this movie and I could not wait to watch it. And I was pleasantly surprised uh, by the outcome of it. Um, I'll just give a quick rundown of the synopsis and then we can kind of just give our, uh, we can give some things first. I'm sort of a, a bad news kind of guy first before I get the good news. So we'll, I'll give you some things that we can talk about some things that maybe we might've had problems with. And then let's close the review out with like maybe some positives because we we obviously all liked it. Um, Outside of maybe just a few more scenes with some of the uh, the main characters, just to give them a little more fleshing out. Because um, that was one of the one things I noticed, you know, going into this, that the movie was actually going to be pretty short. I think the total runtime is like 80, um, 83 minutes. But you got to think if you take out credits, which are usually about five, six, seven minutes, that only leaves you about an hour and 13, you know. So I knew this was going to be a very quick, to-the-point kind of movie. Yeah. Um, honestly, I would have probably just given it a little more in certain areas, maybe just to kind of flesh out a little bit more of just the, maybe maybe the sisters a little bit. But I like both the sisters, so it's not, I guess that would only be my real gripe. Um, the character of, Sally Hardesty, obviously, if you're a fan of the original, you already kind of get to, you already know that character and it's already kind of, you know, set up for this one. Um, yeah, and I yeah. Asked her. Maybe, maybe if I could, I just had like one more scene with her, maybe yeah. like before all the, you know, the, the stuff hits the fan, basically. Her name is Owen Foray, I believe is how you say her name. I can't really say her name, but she was in Mandy and she was pretty good in that too. But uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was curious when they mentioned that Sally Hardesty, the character, would be in this. Yeah. Uh, Bill, what about you? Were there Was there anything that didn't connect with you with this movie? Or I know since you're not really an overall fan of the, or, you know, a diehard fan of the franchise, uh, did, what were the problems you had with it? Or did you have any? Uh, just pretty much what Doug said about the uh, characters being fleshed out a little more. Um, like the sisters, when it first started, I was kind of not confused about who they were and what was going on, but they didn't really say much about that. So, you know, as they got to the town and I didn't read it as usual, I don't read anything before something like this comes on. I didn't watch the trailers. So I had no idea what they were doing um, yeah. when, you know, until the cop asked, you know, them the question like, Oh yeah, you're that, I found out he was, you know, a chef and I'm like, oh, okay. so then I got an idea of what was going on. I like 
that feeling because then it doesn't give me a preconceived notion of what you know of, of what's to come so that's why i don't watch trailers and i don't read anything yeah um, just maybe beyond what you know it's hard not to see a poster with you know social media the way it is but uh yeah that was the only thing was i felt if the characters could have been fleshed out a little more and of course more of you know the sally hardesty character yeah i uh i think i would pretty much go along the line with that i mean i did like melody and lila the two sisters i thought it was interesting i always like um horror movies that have like siblings in them because they can kind of bounce off of each other and you can connect with one and maybe not the other and here it looks like they have melody sort of um she's sort of in in this like hipster bubble with like her friends and like dante and um and what I was worried about after watching the trailer is that there was going to be this like annoying, um, I don't know, this like generational portrayal that maybe isn't accurate, but it was just going to make it seem a little too, um, I don't know, like cringy, I guess. But uh, it didn't really bother me that uh, they were going this route. We kind of felt like if they would have, if they were going to go in on like maybe some social commentary it could have worked a little bit better maybe in this movie um could have been a little bit more but i didn't i don't really come for like social commentary in a texas chainsaw massacre even though that's been predominant in the movies since the 70s um so it was a it was a give and take kind of thing for me like that could have been expanded but i didn't mind that it wasn't because that's not what i signed up for in the movie um, but I would say that would be probably the only thing that I, I really had an issue with it. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't have a lot of things to gripe about. I think Sally Hardesty as a character, um, has never been one of my favorite final girls and she's not really my favorite final girl out of this franchise. So it didn't really bother me how they portrayed her. I actually think that they portrayed her more interesting in this movie than in the other one, even though she made some really dumbass mistakes in this movie. Um, but yeah, so I think that'd be the only issues I had with, with that, that particular, those, those particular things. But, um, from, I would say the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes after you're introduced to these characters and they get to the town and you meet the, you meet the caretaker of the orphanage and you see that Leatherface is there and you see what the town looks like and like get those interactions um what were what were your i guess what was your reactions to the atmosphere and the setting that they were setting up for this movie um i i actually liked the whole small town feel um that whole sequence that takes place in a cornfield i thought was really um very atmospheric actually um i remember when the trailer or not the trailer but the when the poster dropped and they used those sunflower seeds or the sunflower <laughs> uh field in the poster and i just thought well that's kind of interesting that they want to showcase that and i was surprised we didn't see a chainsaw on the poster or something but yeah now that i've seen the film and seen how that scene kind of plays out and how it's kind of an important scene to kind of lead us you know into basically how things start to go horribly wrong for these people um yeah i thought it was really um yeah, the, the atmosphere, I thought it really, I mean, it, I felt like the heat off the screen. Like, I, I totally believed um, that I was in that setting with those people. And um, 
just even like when they go into the house and like the the scenes like where they showed like the staircase and like that light coming through that little window and yeah, yeah it was just I, I was very well filmed so like when they pulled up into the town i was just like because again i thought he was coming there to i didn't know and they pulled into the town and i'm like oh my gosh the town's like dead right and it got me because it I was kind of thrown because I thought, you know, at least there was something going on, but I didn't realize that they had, you know, were coming in to buy the whole thing. So that completely like took me in a different direction with it. But then once they got into the orphanage and the way that was filmed, the lighting, the sounds, you know, the, the detail with the creaky floorboards and where she should step. And, you know, she kind of noticed that right off the bat when she went up the stairs and, um, but yeah, like you said, with the uh, sunflower uh, fields, once like when they were in the truck and, you know, the mother passes away. Oh, my gosh. And he breaks that guy's arm. And ha I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> it starts right there. And it's just like a roller coaster all the way through. Yeah, that was a that was a really good setup is them. Uh, and that's kind of something I didn't expect in this movie. And and I thought it was kind of cool that they kept it away from even the trailer and the marketing is they've always shown that family element, but they've never really honed in on the like the mothering uh, uh, needs that Leatherface has, apparently. And I'm glad that they picked Alice Creed as the actress, even though she's not oh, in it. I love her. She's great, right? Like she really steals the scenes and especially in this movie. And you could tell that she was a good person and what really kicks off that whole kill scene you're talking about in the, in the, in the field of sunflowers is ultimately Alice Creech's character. She did not sell this property that she's part of. And what you find out is that Dante did not um, get the deed to the house. He's there's some kind of miscommunication and maybe he lied or maybe something wasn't truthful with that purchase. And they basically say, Mrs. Mac or Mrs. MC, whatever her name is, you have to leave, you have to vacate. And they call the cops on her and they make her basically leave her own home. And Melody and well, and other characters really don't know that he actually never obtained the deed. So he didn't own that property. They the bank didn't own that house for them to auction. So they've kind of screwed up royally because now they've put everything into a tailspin where this lady is being escorted to the police and then she has like sort of a breakdown, you know, cuz she's old and she's got uh, a lot of ailments going on and she's like dying and so they take her away and that's where you get to the field where they crash because she does die. And what's crazy about um, that is while that's happening, you realize that Melody and Dante are like scrambling, like to figure out what's happening, like why and Melody's kind of starting to second guess her relationship with Dante and like what's happening there. And then that's when the bus load of uh, Gen Zers or influencers or whatever arrive. Um, but you get that moment where uh, they're crashed in the field and Leatherface is basically taking off, like he's cutting her face off. And I was not expecting him to wear her face in the movie, which I thought was really badass. Um, but up to this point, um, you know, you know what's going to happen and you know, things are going to collide and, uh, and it's like a powder keg and, and you know that Leatherface is going to go back. 
And I like that element because it gave him motivation, you know, a, a different type of perspective of what to do. Um, what did you guys think of that whole like different play on not only did they kind of invade the town, but they've invaded his home and basically started like this whole thing. Like he's now back to being Leatherface, which it seems like he wasn't for a while. What did you guys think of that whole setup? Um, I thought that was actually a really interesting way to bring Leatherface into this because knowing that this was going to be a direct sequel just to the original you know, 1974 film and, you know, nothing else exists in this timeline, you know, no prequels up until this point, no other sequels. This was going to be a new interpretation. So I kind of went into this thinking was like, has Texas, you know, has Leatherface and his family like been killing for years? But it was interesting to see that after the events of the first movie, this woman, Mrs. Mack, uh, it, the way it was depicted in the, this new movie is it sounds like she kind of just found him and took him in or, you know, maybe the, the Sawyer's up and left and just left him behind. And she kind of like swooped in and got him and just been kind of like taking care of him and housing uh, for all these years. So I thought that was an interesting thing. It didn't like, obviously he had put his chainsaw in a wall and like they had sealed it up. And so obviously he hadn't been, you know, he's just been, you know, in that building with her, um i really liked uh yeah i really liked that quite a bit um because it's you know it's a, you know, here we are we're at the ninth film it's like what else can we do with this uh there's never really been a time i feel that leatherface has not been you know just out and about killing random teenagers so to kind of base him and put him in you know a con more of a confined space for so many years i think that was kind of an interesting choice yeah i i really like that because <laughs> If you like we were saying before, if you look at all the other films, I mean, so many things have happened to him physically and, you know, he's never been classified as, you know, supernatural. It was just a family that were like cannibalistic and yeah, he's a big guy, but you know, you can take big people down uh, and at his age with everything that's happened before, I mean, he shouldn't even be able to move, let alone, <laughs> you know, have any kind of coherent uh, ideas, life, whatever. Uh, but this one, the way they handled it with him living there with her, I mean, and like, there was like, once he came to the stairs and he was like, gonna come and take or like defend her. And she was like, no, she's like, I'm fine. And he just kind of like, okay, you know, he listened to her and it just, I love, yeah, I like the way they handled that. And then of course they needed something to, um, you know, trigger him. And of course that was his trigger. The one person that, you know, loved him, took care of him and I guess maybe kept him in line. Well, she's gone. So, you know, and now let the mayhem begin. <laughs> Right. Now the bulldog is loose, right? This exactly. Rabid bulldog, I should say. And at this point, I'm thinking this is very much uh, why I'm enjoying the film is because of this setup, because it reminds me of what I like about Leatherface and why I like seeing more of him in the movies versus a lot of the other family members um, is this seemed like it was kind of had that Friday the 13th vibe from that whole like theme of like 
the mom and like him and like his caretaker is gone. And now, you know, he's going to get revenge. And I like that aspect. I think that's always like a cool setup in, in slasher movies, particularly. So it kind of gave us that old school setup um, in a different, in a different way. Um, so right now, you know, we're, we've, we've gotten some cool kill. We've got a lot of actually kill scenes already and we're barely in the movie and he's leaving the, 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 the field of flowers, uh, really great shots, great cinematography, killer score, um, making his way to back to Harlow. And that's when you get the, the midsection of the movie where there's really long, intense sequences with melody, um, and Richter, who is the guy that they met at the gas station and kind of shit on and who they actually found out is their contractor for this whole setup, which is, you know, a whole other issue with perceptions about people. But, um, you know, Richter and Melody are, are now in this house and Leatherface is back and he is pissed and he's getting his chainsaw. Uh, so that actress, Sarah Yarkin, who played the, the Melody character, I really like her. She was actually in... Uh... Happy Death Day Part Two. She was the 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 female nerdy kind of scientist that was in that second yeah, one. Absolutely. Um, I you know when the when the movie first started and the way she treated that guy at the gas station, talking about you know how how big his his dick is because you know he has a gun on his hip and just the, how they were kind of setting her up. But as the movie went along, like. I knew I was going to start to like her because of the situation kind of you pointed out a minute ago where when they noticed that they had done something terribly wrong with the handling of Mrs. Mack and where Dante's just like, oh, screw this crazy bitch, you know, and just kind of blew her off where she's like trying to, you know, put a little more heart and thinking about this situation like, oh, maybe we're doing something wrong here. Um, yeah, I liked how her character uh, evolved up until this midsection of the movie. So, of course, you know, at this point, we like her. And, yeah, that whole scene where she's under the bed and she's creeping around the house. And, yeah. And that was all, all like, really well shot. And I just like the how everything was lit. When uh, Richter came in and him and Leatherface are, like, going at it. And when he laid into him with that sledgehammer. Oh, shit. And he, <laughs> he hit Richter and he knocked his leg backward. Like, you know, like your knee bends normally. When it went the opposite way. Oh. I like I I I had a guttural, like you know, it's just like I can only imagine what that would feel like. So it's like you know, I had an instant reaction to that. Oh yeah, that was, it was so phenomenal. Like when she runs upstairs and she hides in the closet and she hears everything going wrong, and she's just like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna die. She probably that's what she's thinking. And he goes to the closet, and she, oh, he's gonna find me. You know, I'm thinking, oh, here we go. But then I realize I'm like wait a minute, it's Leatherface. So he's probably going to be getting like his mother, something from his mother's outfit or whatever. And sure enough, you know, that's what he does. And so that kind of takes it back. And she's like, oh, you know, maybe I have a chance. And yeah. but one thing I loved when she was under the bed and Richter was coming in and I guess he, see, he knows that she's there and she's trying to let him know that Leatherface is in the house and she tips the mirror around so oh, that yeah. he could see Leatherface behind the door. I was just like, oh, and what Doug said about the lighting. Yeah, that's always important to me in movies like this, because sometimes they overlight. And in a house like that, no, with 
the way it was designed and where the and see these are the kind of things i think about in the movie i'm like okay i know where the sun is you know in a movie based on when they come in the house and i'm like if it, they're in a darker area and it's super lit and it's not supposed to be, it really bugs me. And so yeah. the way they handled that house and the lighting, it was just perfect. Yeah. I, I think uh, this team it's, it's through, I think it's a uh, bad ombre, which is a Fetty Alvarez uh, group now sort of like bad robot or um, other labels that these directors uh, kind of take and, bring in you know new creators but uh if you're a fan of the movie don't breathe i think that movie when those people are in the house and those setups it kind of reminded me of this is like that sneaking around or like trying to hide and and put into these different scenarios it really works well for a slasher movie and particularly this had a lot of those moments where they're either trapped or they're kind of in a, a situation whether you're underneath the house or even going to this the big violent set piece in the bus, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, killer crazy. But ultimately, they get to the bus. You know, Melody and Lila are there. You know, there's been some deaths. They get to the bus full of these annoying like influencer type people who think that they're going to like uh, somehow take out Leatherface by canceling him online or something. And so uh, that was funny and like ridiculous, you know. But Oh, and the real quick, the one line before I forget, someone's like, it looks so fake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, there's a shot. Yeah, it's it's one of the, the stream people were like, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was just like, it, that was like crazy. And, and, you know, if you, if you like take a moment, like the, the movie may not be the most clever movie out there but there were some moments like that and like some of those um like critiques on how we are you know as a society are there are and they're completely like immediately pulling them out in a situation like this and like filming like that is so annoying to me and so i found that really like cathartic to see these people like taken out somehow even though it was like you know the most bloody way it was just funny and <laughs> but i think this movie kind of handled well is it treaded that line of being serious and very kind of tongue in cheek at times. Um, but that slaughter on the bus was insane. And these people were idiots. Like they were just like basically hanging out waiting for him to take them out. But he ultimately like slaughters his way through and it sets Melody and Lila up in another situation where they have to get out of the bathroom of the bus, uh, which was a really cool set piece as well and them trying to navigate through that um so i thought that was really cool uh i think that that particular kill scene is going to be pretty uh iconic i think for this franchise if it if even if people don't like it that whole kill scene in the bus mm. well i was just thinking about the bus scene and because Doug and I have talked about this before. You know, I look for, I find really odd things in movies. And I think like in a situation, you know, when a body's cut open, especially if someone's eviscerated, the stint is going to be unbearable. I mean, people don't realize how badly human bodies can smell yeah. if everything's exposed. And this just wasn't one person. This was a busload of people that were getting <laughs> skewered. 
uh, eviscerated, multiple yeah. limbs chopped off, and the blood. You're talking about arterial spray going everywhere. The amount of blood on that bus mixed with everything that's coming out of the body, the smell just has to be almost unbearable. Now, I know everyone's going to be in shock, every, you know, all this stuff going on, but that's the kind of stuff I think about. And it takes me into the movie even more. Like when we were watching, um, Doug and I watched uh, Leatherface. Uh, yeah, Leatherface, the 2017. And when the people climbed in that dead cow that had been rotting out in the sun for no telling how long, I literally almost got sick. And it takes a lot for me to get sick. But just the idea of that, because that's what I, I know what a dead carcass like that smells like. I've been on farms. I know what dead animals smell like. So that kind of thing on the bus was just, that was a lot for me. It took me into the scene and grabbed me and, kept me thinking oh you know i just oh I, yeah it was just really gross yeah well and not to mention that melody was covered in shit oh completely oh, oh yes oh. when that pipe broke the first thing i thought of was like oh thank goodness it's pouring rain some of it's gonna wash off but I, then i thought when she gets on that bus Woo. the stench coming off of her everybody should have been like oh you know and she's just walking through the people oh. like no one's like even noticing <laughs> I got a kick out of that. Yeah. yeah. Doug, did you have any like standout like kill scenes or anything that you kind of thought about? Um, the when you first like so the scene within the house when Dante gets attacked in the kitchen, you see yeah. Leatherface, he like he comes up behind him, he grabs him, pulls him back, and you see him pick up a meat cleaver and then you hear him like do a couple of whacks, but then the door kind of stops swinging and then it just goes to quiet and then Dante comes you know crawling out and he's all bloody and he just kind of falls there and then i just assumed that he died in the house but then right before everybody gets killed on the bus um you actually see dante where richter sees him walking down the street and it's when it's pouring down rain and richter grabs him and like flips him around and you see like his like you can see what leatherface actually did to him with that meat cleaver is like hit him in the side of his jaw so, like, his jaw and his teeth were all exposed. Like, that was nasty. That was, and those effects were amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, if it's, if there was any CGI, I mean, it, it looked fantastic. They did a good job on that. And another thing that I liked in that scene where he's chopping at him, mm -hmm. the way the door is opening and closing. Oh, so, yeah. you get a glimpse and then you don't. And you get another glimpse and then yeah. you don't. And the door yeah. closes. I was like, that's such, oh, a, that's who, such a great, like, artistic yeah way to shoot a scene yeah, yeah i loved that yeah that yeah. was another thing i loved about the movie um as far as like the actual bus goes um i like had like because i i knew something horrible was about to happen to this this poor woman but like when it just went there and like it kept going there and like showed you the entire thing because you know in a horror movie you see you think sometimes because it might cut away or but no they showed it in full oh. um i think the character's name was uh was Catherine? Yeah. She was like their banker. Or yep. She was like the main oh, person that they yes, met with. Yes. And when she sees like all this crap going down. She's like going towards that window because it recently had gotten busted out. So she's like about to climb out. And Leatherface just like walks up to her. So she's like hanging halfway out that window. And he just lays that saw down on her back and cuts her right in half. And like, and then it kind of pans outside to the outside of to show the front half of her. 
And she's screaming, and like all of a sudden, her front half just slides down the side of the bus, <laughs> and then he's just kind of like standing there as her guts are like pouring out the window. And yeah, that was that nasty. was pretty. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, we're going there. That was oh, <laughs> and there was one guy waving his. He had had his arms sawed off, and oh, you could yeah. see bone. Yep. I guess where the flesh had stripped off. These little stubs waving around. He was like, ah. oh, and yeah, blood spraying. You could actually. So whoever came up with that. And we're doing the blood pumps and oh. whatever they did, if it was CGI, I don't know. But it looked good because I was looking for blood spray yeah. coming out of these sawed off limbs. And, oh, oh, there was a lot of it. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If anything, even if any of you listeners out there don't like the movie, uh, a lot of people have said that I've read or that I've talked to that don't like it. They said that the gore is like a 10-10. And that mm -hmm. seems to be a universal commonality with all the horror fans, despite not maybe liking it or, or liking it to varying degrees, is the gore. The gore is front and center in this movie. And that's mm -hmm. what I want to see in a Leatherface movie. We've got the bus massacre, and now we're getting to... Uh, Sally Hardesty, who is a Texas Ranger. She's just been notified basically that help is needed and she's going to go because she knows who is doing this massacre. And obviously it's Leatherface. And uh, so this is when you enter Sally Hardesty. Um, I actually did like her, her role. I liked how cheesy it was and campy, even like the line where she says she's waited 50 years. I just think that's kind of funny. Sally does start right off the bat. Like, you know, she stabs him. She's like shooting at him. She does that kind of shit. But there is a moment that's weird is when she goes up and he's kind of mourning his mother. He's sitting on the bed and she kind of hesitates and she wants him to remember her. And I know that must be her specific story as to why she wants that, because she needs that closure. And she didn't seem like she was able to get it because he doesn't remember because he's in whatever space he is in his mind. But I did think that was a very weird moment. Maybe one moment that I was like, mm, why don't you just shoot him? You have a clear shot. But she didn't, and we wouldn't have gotten the rest of the movie, which I think, in my opinion, the climax is awesome. Um, so I, I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of the original. So when I heard that they were making this new one and that the character of Sally Hardesty was going to be in this, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Cause once again, you know, out of all these other films in this franchise, they've never really talked about, I think the only other time they've ever talked about Sally was in the intro to part two or maybe part three where they actually said that after those events, she went to like a private healthcare facility and later died from, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that always kind of bugged me because I was just like, oh, I like Sally. You know, it was kind of sad to hear that she had passed away. So again, here we are, we're racing everything. Fresh start. Um, I was actually really excited. And then when I saw that actress from Mandy was cast, I was like, okay, you know, because obviously Marilyn Burns had, you know, rest in peace. She passed away, I think, back in 2014, 2015. So obviously it couldn't be her. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the addition that I'm glad that they put her in the film. It was kind of a nice little wink back to the original movie and her character. Um, I agree with you. She, They did give her a few um dumb uh moments but uh i actually like the scene where she confronts him in the in the bedroom and she now i, I wouldn't have said you know say my name because 
I think at this point she knows that he doesn't really talk, even after the events of the first movie. So right. for her to say, oh, say my name, say my name, you know, getting all in his, you know, um, I think I would have taken that out. Just, I mean, that's me looking in as a, as a filmmaker and, you know, something I would have changed probably. Um, but no, I, I, I like that she was added into the film. Um, she, I mean, if you're going to go out in a Texas Chainsaw movie, and I've always said that if I ever got to be in a Texas Chainsaw movie, I'd want to have like the most violent, one of the most violent ways to go. And when he laid into her and like lifted her up and just <laughs> impaled her with that chainsaw and then tossed her like into the trash. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was sad because, you know, I didn't want to obviously see the character of Sally get, you know, off. But at the same time, I was like, you know, if you're going to go out, why would a bang, right? Yeah. Why not go out like like that? That was pretty. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, Bill, what about you? I mean, are you as attached to Sally as like Doug is to like the first franchise or uh, what do you oh, think? Oh, yes. Um, we talked about this earlier when I. When I was a kid, when Texas Chainsaw first came out, I saw it at the drive-in the year that it came out. Nice. That's how old I am. So <laughs> uh, I was with my family, with my aunt and uncle and my cousin, and we were on the playground at the drive-in. You know, that's what most kids did. And, you know, they let us because back then, you know, they're like, oh, they're not going to be watching this. They're just going to be playing on the playground. Well, we were, but at that point... I missed uh, the first kill, um, but when Terry Mann's uh, character, uh, Pam, when she's going up to the house, that's when I got interested for some reason. I was on a swing set, and I was just going back and forth and looking up at the screen, and when Leatherface grabs her and drags her through the house, and she's kicking and screaming, and well, that was it for me. I was just, like, spellbound, and so that's, like, my first... Um, that was probably the first real horror movie that I even was allowed. Well, they didn't know, but I, that I saw. And, um, and so then I remember a little bit of the ending, but I was always, I loved the scene, you know, where she, where, you know, Sally Hardesty's character jumps out of the window. She's being chased, you know, by the hitchhiker and, um, and then Leatherface comes up and, you know, that when she jumps in that truck and the guy drives off and she's screaming covered in blood I think that is one of the most iconic scenes in any horror movie. So I loved that they brought her back. Um, now to touch on what you guys were saying about when she was in the room and, you know, she's like screaming, say my name, you know, I've seen a lot of court uh, hearings, you know, where they let the family, you know, come up and where there some family members been murdered and, you know, they do that. So I thought it was cool that, that they allowed her character to do that. But I think, like we said, maybe they shouldn't have had her say, because she knows that he didn't talk. He just kind of whimpered and make, you know, grunt sounds. She could have said something else like, you know, yeah. let me know that you, know, you know, you remember me or maybe say, you know, I was, she did say I was the one, didn't she say away. I was the one that got away? Yeah. Uh, maybe she could have referenced it differently. They had her reference it differently. Um, yeah, maybe it would have had more impact, but yeah. Uh, and then I agree with the, you know, the whole fight scene, you know, the way she went down now that we both said this, had this been, let's say Marilyn was still alive and in good health and she had played that part. Mm -hmm. 
I would have been destroyed because I've met her. I met Marilyn Burns a few years ago as Doug did. And she's just sweet, endearing, lovely lady that one of the best that I'd ever met out of the horror convention circuit. And so I was more impressed with meeting her than I actually was uh, Gunner. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I thought, you know, it was cool the way she went out. And like Doug said, I felt the same way. If you're going to go out, you know, go out with a bang. And they did. So. And they, yeah, br- brutal, brutal, almost killing. And then she does die, which is, is pretty crazy. But um, you get that handoff and that awesome line that she tells Lila about not being haunted, like not running, like trying. Right. Don't run. Yeah. And I thought that was like a perfect line to kind of hand off to somebody like a wise person that has lived that life and lived that trauma. And Lila has already lived that trauma. I mean, she's a survivor of a gun massacre and she knows what's been haunting her. So I like the juxtaposition and like the parallels of like her own trauma. And now in a new one, like learning how to survive. I thought that was a lot deeper than I was expecting to be for it was. It was good. You know, I thought they handled it kind of well. And even though it could have been maybe a little bit developed more, um, it was it was kick-ass enough, I think, that it, it meant something to the story when Sally said those lines to her, uh, which was cool. Um, but then you get, and, and we have to say, you know, Leatherface is pretty, uh, he's pretty built. He runs a lot in this movie. And mm-hmm. runs a lot with the chainsaw, very classic looking run for Leatherface. He's running after these characters. They end up in, and if you two know what, sh- what building this is, but it looked like they were in like a, like a barn, but also had like a, uh, a water reserve or like a well or something. But they end up, do you know what that is? It was a movie theater, but I think the flooring below had broken out because there was a hole in the ceiling. But uh-huh. it... Oh, okay. Yeah, it was the movie theater. That was cool. Like that that whole um because that kind of reminded me of, of Texas Chainsaw Massacre three where they're fighting in the water. Mm. And it was just a different element for them to have to face Leatherface against. Really cool uh fight scene at the end, really badass. Uh uh Melody does a really crazy move with the chainsaw, uh, which I, as soon as it happened, I told Gabe, that's not a kill shot, but it's a pretty damaging shot to Leatherface. So we knew that, you know, he was going to be alive still. Um, and then you get, you know, this ending, which is like really like, you know, jaw hits the floor um, ending with a kind of harkens back to Sally's ride on, on the back of a truck. But this is a self-driving car with Lila going away, seeing her sister just snatched from the car and beheaded. And that to me was like one of my favorite kills because it was very unexpected. It hit me really hard because I kind of liked her character at the end mm-hmm. and all the shit that she'd been through helping her sister and trying to rectify the situation that she and Dante had caused. And then to be taken out like that, it was really sad and it sucked, but it meant something and it was pretty badass at the end. What did you- uh, I really like the, the, when they went into the whole, uh, the theater from across the street. Cause um, 
Yeah, I like when Lila picks up that gun that Sally had left there on the on the street next to her. And she's just, you know, she's like, I'm going to do this. Like, let's do it. Yeah. And she heads in there. And yeah, again, again, lighting is everything. And that scene was exceptional with its lighting. Like, the, you had all those plastic things that were hanging and like the, the colors and the lights were shining through them. Um, I like that Leatherface kind of tricked her in that scene. Like, there was that one part where you hear is he's starting the chainsaw. And she turns around, she's aiming the shotgun at like that curtain, but the wind comes through and blows the curtain back. And you see that he just like started the saw and laid it there. And she's like, oh shit. And then all of a sudden he comes flying out from a different direction. And then that's when he tackles her into that water. And I thought that was kind of cool. I like that he, you know, uh, tricked her. Um, yeah, the, the whole end scene. And then with the sister, like you said, oh, I would, <laughs> I, I like, I was thinking, okay, it's kind of cool that you're going to have these two sisters, you know, that are going to be the final girls, final girls. But then uh, once it happened, I was like, yeah, there's usually always the one final girl. Um, but yeah, that, like you said, it was so unexpected and so brutal and just like all, again, all in one shot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew it was coming. You know, that's, they had to have that showdown. But one of the things that got me and I loved it was, you know, after the fight and then she get, has the shotgun and she's like, boom, and his arms are flailing. He's backing up and then boom. Again, he gets right to the edge. Click. I'm like, T2. This is T2, oh, yeah. Terminator 2 all the way. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the sister comes up with the chainsaw and goes out just like Arnold did with the little, you know, uh, launcher grenade hits him and he goes in the water well she does it with the chainsaw right up under the chin and he goes in the water and i was like man this director or directors they must really love terminator 2 because that's what i got from it but i loved it i was like you know why not you know let's let's go that route now i'm probably the only one that saw that but that's what i felt about it and i was shocked at the very end too you know i thought oh you know maybe he's gonna come running out and they can't stop you know i didn't even think about one of them getting you know killed and it was said it was brutal oh. and i was just like horrified you know because i thought oh no because you <laughs> did grow to like her even even at the beginning like we said i was kind of like this girl's kind of like bitchy because mm -hmm. her sister wasn't doing what she thought she was supposed to do and so she goes i don't know why you even think you can do anything you've never been able to do anything yeah just and tells then, her to sit on the bus. Just yeah, just sit there. And she's like demeaning her. And I'm thinking, this poor girl, like, yeah, I know that she went through something horrible and people move on, but that's traumatic. But then later on in the car, when she thinks not gonna make it, she gets her to go on. She was like, I didn't, you know, you know, you're one of the strongest people. You can do this. And so they made that transition kind of like the way Sally did with, you know, with Lila telling her you need to face this or it's never going to end. He'll be after you the rest of your life. So, or his life too, but yeah, there were those parallels and it did get deep with that. So. Yeah. And, and I think it gave us uh, a different final girl that, um, you know, has already dealt with trauma and survived and been a final girl in a way. And she's a final girl again. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, even though Melody didn't survive, it made sense. I think to the story to have her, sure of get killed because she ultimately was part of what, what kicked this off and um yeah i thought it was i thought it was a pretty 
pretty brutal movie, pretty cool, uh, great end credit scene, which is going to set up probably a sequel. Um, overall, um, I would say uh, we can we can start transitioning over now to how this ranks for our franchises. But for me, I think, uh, I think Doug rated it earlier. I don't know, Bill, if you want to rate it, but I'm going to give it out of 10. I usually go and I'm going to say it's maybe be a solid eight and a half uh, out of 10 for me. Uh, pretty strong entry for me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Bill, what about you? How would you rate it? Yeah, I'd say eight. Nice. And then Doug, you were three and a half out of five. Yeah, if I was doing a uh, five, I'd give it a three and a half. So I'd yeah, I'd say uh, seven and a half, eight on uh, out of ten for sure. So pretty solid all around, and I think oh, yeah. I think we all enjoyed it. Rewatched the entire franchise this past week, uh, starting with Texas Chainsaw, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 1974 to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, 1986, both by Toby Hooper. Uh, Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, 1990 from Jeff Burr. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Next Generation from 95. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 2003. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, uh, 2006. Texas Chainsaw 3D from 2013, Leatherface from 2017, and the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2022. In comics media, uh, I don't know if any of you listeners out there or you two like comic books, but uh, there had been several comic books based on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films. Uh, some were published in 91 and 2005, 2006. Um, they were by uh, Avatar and North Star Comics, Avatar Press and North Star Comics. And then Avatar got taken over by DC Comics, uh, Wildstorm, and they started publishing uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre issues, miniseries. Uh, I have a few of them. They're pretty badass. So if you get a chance, check those out. Uh, for video games, there have been a couple notable ones. Uh, in 82, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, came out, uh, was released by Atari. Uh, if any of you out there remember Atari, I certainly do. Uh, and it was a game where you play the role of Leatherface. And December 2021, it was just announced that there is going to be a game about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the company behind Friday the 13th, the game, which I did not get to play, but I've heard was fun. And Leatherface has appeared in Mortal Kombat 10, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, Call of Duty Warzone, and one that plays a lot in my house now, Dead by Daylight. You can play Leatherface in that as well. Um, so yeah, so that's just some other things that are out there in the media for this longstanding franchise, which will probably continue to go on uh, for more decades than uh, we will be around. Leatherface will outlive us all. So, ranking. Now, how do you conceptually think of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise? It's hard to wrap your brain about brain around it because there are so many timelines reboots there's lots of 
sequels to the original. There's a lot going on in this franchise, much more so, I think, than any of the other slasher icons. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I feel like there's there's a lot going on here. But at the same time, you can kind of pick and choose your own adventure, kind of like with Halloween. Um, so uh, what do you two think of the franchise overall? Like, how does it rank for you with the big slasher icons? For me, I'll just say it's probably uh, towards the bottom. I usually go like Jason, Freddy, Hellraiser, Chucky, and maybe, you know, Leatherface kind of there along towards the bottom. Uh, still own the movies, still love him, but he's not my go-to all the time. Uh, what about you two? Doug, I know you're you're a pretty big fan, and Bill, I know you're kind of on the cusp. What do you guys think? Um, As a whole, I, I do enjoy the franchise quite a bit, and for me, I, I think Leatherface has always been kind of an underdog, and I'm always rooting for the underdog because obviously he's nowhere near as big as Jason or even Freddy. Um, and maybe Chucky at this point has now, I would say, surpassed poor Leatherface. But I'm always rooting for Leatherface. Um, I'm a huge fan of the franchise as a whole. I completely understand why people might not um, because, again, it is kind of a mess. It's way more of a mess, I think, than the Halloween franchise. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as a whole, I, I yeah, I, I would I would put Leatherface up there high for me because I've always liked the character. I like the movies. Um, but yeah, as a whole, uh, yes, for sure, I rank uh, Leatherface pretty high. All right, that's cool. That's awesome to hear. And uh, Bill, what about you? Are you? Are, I should ask you, Bill, because maybe we haven't had this conversation. But are you a, are you into slashers as much as me and Doug? Like probably. Oh. Oh yeah, I mean that's what I grew up watching as you know. Okay. Uh, young teen, you know, all the way up, I was just you know obsessed with it, and I was like the only one in my family, other than my cousin Rob and my aunt Joni. Yeah. My mom and dad were just flabbergasted that I would even watch anything like that, but that's what I was into. Yeah. So, but I'm like you with it doesn't rank as high. Uh, with the other, you know, iconic greats of horror, um, because I think, you know, it did make an impact on me when I was, you know, seven years old and saw it at the drive-in in 1974. But then there was nothing really after it for so long. And then when the second one came out, I saw it in the theater and I, I don't even want to say this, but I I just hated it. <laughs> it's okay to say it. It went so far the opposite direction, you know, and I thought, oh, you know, Toby Hooper's going to be directing it, blah, blah, blah. And it, it wasn't what I was expecting. And now, granted, I was a different person back then than I am now. And I've rewatched it because when I rewatched it the other night, it was the first time I had seen it since I originally saw it in the theater. So... You know, that did it for me. And then I kind of just, with the others, you know, the, came, the couple that came after that, I just kind of like, you know, I didn't really pay attention to them when they originally came out. Yeah. And then as time went on, and then they started, you know, doing the prequels and the reimagining and, you know, uh, 
all that, you know, I got back into it again. But for me, the series as a whole is just, you know, people complain about Terminator being a mess with the timeline. This franchise takes the cake for me <laughs> because there are so many the names and it's yeah it's number three but then there's the new beginning and there's the next generation and remake and i'm just like i lost it with all of them because i couldn't keep them in track and so i just like kind of closed the door on them for a while but you know with this one you know the 2022 loved it you know i can get back into it yeah uh, again and i have actually re i've liked two or three of the others that that i missed and hadn't revisited in a while so yeah i could see me you know if they just had a good solid run but everybody tried doing something different with it and it kind of destroyed it for me in the 80s yeah uh i'm gonna go ahead and go into my ranking so i can explain myself because dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I think I, I think Doug already knows, but um, I think I let it slip on social media where I'm at. Uh -oh. But I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974 is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. And it still is to me. It still really bothers me. It's still really gross. It's grimy. It's dirty. And it, it psychologically affects me. And I, I don't know if it's the Sally screaming and the laughing and like the table scene and like all of that really kind of is, is just a lot for me to handle. And it always has been since I've seen it. So for me, that's an effective horror movie, but it's also one that I can't always revisit. So with my list, even though that one I think is the best movie as a horror movie, it's not my favorite of the franchise. Um, so that's kind of how I wanted to explain myself before I listen or before I lose all of my listeners and you two. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but that's ultimately how I feel like how uh, the rewatchability is um, those kinds of things really take a factor in how I rank this list for this franchise. And for me, I think Toby Hooper did the better Texas Chainsaw Massacre with part two, which is why it's my number one. Because I like how everything was amped up in 80s and campy and silly to a certain extent. But also we got my favorite two characters, some of my favorite two characters on the franchise, uh, Lefty and Stretch and also Chop Top. Um, I thought that was just a bombastic way to come in without even acknowledging the first Texas Chainsaw. So for me, that is what ultimately won me over for the franchise is part two. So I would say uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is my number one. Um, and I really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Uh, I like uh, Ken Frey in it. I like the setting. And uh, Doug and I kind of talked about this, but just kind of to bring listeners and Bill into this conversation, uh, new. This was a new line Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. So if you watch that movie, there is like a tone where it's kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street looking, and it's very a little bit more polished. And like, there's just certain things about it that scream that new line horror, which I love. So TCM three is my number two. Um, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 is my number three. I like Jessica Biel in that movie. It's probably the only movie I've actually seen her in that I like her in. Um, I think she was an awesome kick-ass final girl. I like Arlie Emery in it. He's a badass and crazy. Um, and I love Leatherface in the movie. I think Leatherface looks really crazy and cool. Uh, love the whole climax and just action from nonstop beginning to end. So I'm a really big fan of that. So that's my number three. Um, number four, I'm going to go with the new movie, TCM 2022. I would have to rewatch it a couple more times to see the list, but it checked a lot of the boxes off as to what I'm looking for in a, in a Texas Chainsaw movie. It has a lot of leather face, a lot of gore, and it kind of went more of that slasher kind of vibe versus the backwoods slasher, uh, which is, which appeals to me. I like that whole, that whole classic slasher, I think, setup. So that's why I think the new one is kind of sitting really near me right now. Um, and then, right snap in the middle texas chainsaw massacre 74 um like i said earlier very scary but it's one that i, I just have a hard time rewatching because of of how it's scary um but i still love it number six is texas chainsaw massacre 2006 which is the beginning um i really liked it uh i have a hard time with prequels because you know the outcome you know, there's possibly not going to be any survivors. So that's really the downfall of this movie. But I dug it. I dug Jordana Brewster as a final girl. So that's my uh, my pick. Um, so I'm at one, two, three. Sorry. So I'm at number seven. And that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation. Um, I think it's super fun. It's super campy, over the top. Uh, I just think it's a blast. Even though the ending kind of has it all over the place. I really love the character Darla in that movie. I think she's hilarious. Um, so yeah, so that's my pick. Number eight, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2013. Um, it had Marilyn Burns in it. Uh, it had Gunnar Hansen. Had lots of, of a recipe to, to work, but it somehow didn't in my book. Um, the ending really falls in a, in a really hard place for me to enjoy it, but it's campy and it's fun and I still kind of like it. Um, and then number nine, a very low number nine for me is Leatherface from 2017. Um, I just had some problems with the lack of Leatherface in the movie and um, I didn't really sign up to watch sort of that. I didn't really want that prequel. I just wanted a lot of Leatherface and that's kind of what it was. So I immediately from the beginning had problems with it. So, uh, but that's my, that's my list. I like the franchise, but that's what I'll go with. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Bill, I'm over here watching Bill. Like he's having like a reaction. He's, um, he's probably so I, I, I'm, I'm very excited about Bill's list. None of my likes match yours. Not one. Not one. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, That's awesome. I want to, yeah, I want to say, I want to, <laughs> I'm going to say Bill for last. Okay. So I'll, I'll go ahead and go. As you all, as you both know, and as the listeners have listened. Um, if they're still listening. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the original and the franchise as a whole. I completely get, like I said a minute ago, that 
why somebody may not like this franchise or the different movies because there's so many starts, restarts, prequels, um, erasing films, adding films back. Um, it's it's very messy, but there's kind of a charm to it all. So I <laughs> I will start, and it's probably no, um, you know, everybody's going to know which one I, I like the most, of course. So we're going to start at number one, and that's the original classic, 1974's Toby Hooper, in my opinion, uh, I consider it his masterpiece. I mean, obviously, he had great success later in his career, too, with things like Poltergeist. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like you said, Anthony, and Bill has said, it's just there's such a an uncomfortable, gritty, um, very much a documentary kind of feel to it all. So it feels like you're really just in this terrible situation with these poor people. Um I agree with you. It is a hard movie to watch, especially in the, the second half when <laughs> Sally, I mean, I, I can't even imagine like what Marilyn Burns, you know, had to go through while filming just the dinner table scene alone where she's constantly crying, constantly screaming. Um, I've done a little bit of stuff like that in, you know, our films and stuff, but never to a level like what she was doing. And, I, you know, I was getting headaches and just I can't even imagine. Um, and I get a headache and it's upsetting to watch her go through all of that. Yeah. Um, but in the end, it is my favorite. I think like what both you and Bill said, I think the ending is one of the most iconic things in horror cinema, just her in the back of that truck screaming and crying and, you know, laughing as, uh, Leatherface, you know, does his little chainsaw dance. And then I love how it abruptly just ends, um, yeah, that movie's like a complete nightmare, but I, I love it. Um, then I'm going to, for my number two, I am moving into Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning from 2006. I w- had already come off, you know, in 2003, had already seen the remake, and I was excited, you know, to see if they would do a sequel or what with this franchise, because obviously the 2003 movie made a, quite a bit of money uh, at the box office. So when they announced that they were going to do a prequel, I was kind of like, oh, you know. But I kind of thought about it, and I'll talk a little bit more about that once I get to the remake. But I really liked what they did with the beginning. Um, It has, in my opinion, a slightly more uh, gritty feel to it, like the original one has, versus the remake. Um, I just thought that movie, like, you can just feel the, the heat off of the screen, and uh, I really like Jordana Brewster in the movie. Um, but yeah, that movie gets pretty nasty as well. And I liked in that movie that she had a moment like Sally in the first one where she actually, you know, was at the dinner table scene and then she escapes by jumping through a window. Um, I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do like Andrew Bernarski quite a bit because obviously he's my second favorite Leatherface in this lineup. Um, I don't agree with some of the comments he made about Gunnar Hansen when the remake came out, but aside from that, he is a beast and he is by far one of the scariest, you know, leather faces that we've ever had on screen. Um, For my number three, I'm going to go to our newest film, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre part three, or sorry, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 that's currently on Netflix. Um, I honestly, you know, looking at this whole franchise, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, we've had some doozies. We've had some, you know, but all in all, it's it's all fun. 
Um, I kind of went in with low expectations, except I was excited because I always get excited when we have a new Texas Chainsaw because I like the franchise. And I was pleasantly surprised with the outcome. Uh, for basically a first-time director, I thought that he did a really good job. Um, I know this movie kind of had some production problems in the beginning because originally Warner Brothers and Legendary had, you know, greenlit this to be a theatrical release. And Fetty Alvarez was going to be, you know, obviously came on as the producer and one of the writers. Um, and I know, like, in the first week of production, uh, the original two directors were fired because I don't know if they had a disagreement with Fetty or they just didn't like the footage they were, you know, shooting. So then that's when they brought in that the current director that we have. And I thought he did a really good job. I know he has kind of a background in cinematography, which probably makes sense as to why his film looks so good. Um, but yeah, I was very happy with it. I think the actor that plays Leatherface in the newest film, um, I can't remember his name. Um, Mark Burnham. Burnham. Mark, Burnham. Mark Burnham. Yeah, he did. A, I thought he did a great job as a big burly Leatherface. He definitely was capturing the feel and uh, the overall body language, I think, of Gunnar Hansen. Because, you know, Gunnar Hansen was a pretty big guy. Yeah, so I'm going to put that at number three. Then we're going to move to the number four, and that would be the original sequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, Toby Hooper's uh, follow-up. Um, it's a very, obviously, different film than the first movie. Um the uh, first movie and the second one were actually two of the very first VHSs I ever owned. Oh, nice. The The sequel uh, actually used to be higher, but as the years have gone by, um, there's things about part two I really like. Um, so I've kind of moved it down on the list just a little bit because it used to actually be my second favorite. Um, I, I like part two quite a bit. I really like Caroline Williams as our lead uh, final girl uh, stretch. Uh, Dennis Hopper is Dennis Hopper. <laughs> Um, there was a few moments that I really liked in the film. Like there was that scene where uh, Dennis Hopper's character comes across uh, Franklin from the first movie, his, his dead body in the wheelchair. And I kind of like that whole moment. It's kind of a nice wink back to the first movie. Um, Toby or uh, Tom Savini's uh, effects in that movie are quite amazing. I will give it that. Um, but yeah, it's over the top silliness. Um, which, you know, it makes sense because to Toby Hooper in an interview one time said that when he went to make the sequel for Chainsaw 2, he said he never thought he could ever recreate the energy and the movie that he made in 74 or 73. Um, so he had to go in a different direction and obviously it shows it's more of a black comedy, um, but yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll put number two at number four. Then for my number five, we're going to go to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3 Leatherface from New Line. Um, after re-watching this one with Bill the other night, it actually had been a few years since I like actually watched this movie all the way through. And um, I really like uh, the third movie quite a bit. I think Ari Mihailov is a really good Leatherface. Um, his interesting new family that we're introduced to in that one, uh, the creepy little girl, she's like, you kind of like what you said with the whole new line thing. Um, she kind of has a moment like where she's talking, you know, to the, the lead actress right before they take her away. And she sounds just like Freddy Krueger in this creepy little voice. 
Um, so yeah, I'll put number Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre three at my number five. Then we're gonna move into the remake from 2003. Um, I was so excited for this movie when it came out. Um, it was, I think they showed the first trailer. I think I remember seeing in the theaters was when I went to see Freddy versus Jason. Because obviously, you know, it's another new line, big movie that was coming out that year. And I remember they showed the trailer and I was so excited. Um, yeah, I think it's one of the best horror remakes out there. Um, and it's kind of the first that kind of kicked off the horror remakes in the early 2000s. So I'm going to keep that there at number six. Uh, my next two, I kind of go back and forth on. Uh, in uh, in the number that it falls on. But as of right now, um, we're going to go with the next entry is um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Um, again, a very over-the-top, lambastic, silly, uh, crazy movie that's in a way, it kind of feels like a reboot um, because they bring in a lot of dynamics like the the uh, Renee Zellweger character, in a way, is kind of like Sally. She gets those great chase scenes. She jumps through a window. You know, she's, you know, she, it's very much, you can tell that they're, like, trying to pay a lot of homage to the first movie, but also, at the same time, not always meeting the mark. Um, I think Leatherface is out of control in this one. Yeah, after rewatching it today with Bill, and uh, I was like, somebody needed to give him a Xanax. Like, he was just, like, his poor anxiety, he couldn't handle it. He was crying and just whimpering in every scene. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for, uh, yeah, for uh, number eight, uh, Texas Chainsaw, uh, the 2013, a.k.a. Texas Chainsaw 3D. Um, I do really like this movie. Uh, I love the opening where they recreated the original house. It picks up right where the movie, uh, the first movie left off with her escaping in the truck and, you know, uh, the cops and everything showing up at the house. Um, it was always, it's nice to see Gunnar Hansen and obviously Marilyn Burns there at the end playing a different character, uh, Verna Carson. Um, yeah, uh, I like the movie as a whole. It, it does have a serious, huge problem that they should have addressed and changed before this film was ever released. Um, so if the movie opens up in 74, 73, um, and then it cuts to the, the little baby at the beginning is supposed to be our lead actress, and it cuts to present day 2013 when the movie comes out, and that doesn't make any sense because she would be in her mid-40s. <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense. So if they would have just done simple things of like removing any cell phones, um, changing obviously some of their clothing to make it fit more of like maybe the early nineties, mid nineties, she would have been in her twenties. And that, I think that would have been, and it would have, uh, it would have given them more room to work. I think with a, uh, like if they wanted to make a sequel to that one, Leatherface obviously wouldn't be as old as he is kind of like a little bit of kind of like, I guess we're, you know, with the new Netflix movie, he is getting up there in age. So, We'll see how much longer they'll they'll keep him going, but who knows? So yeah, number eight, uh, Texas Chainsaw, 3D, aka Texas Chainsaw, and then for my last place, I am going to go at number nine with the 2017 movie Leatherface. Uh, I know that's where you also had yours. 
Um, I've only actually seen the movie once back in 2017. And then today me and Bill rewatched it and I've not seen it since. Um, I will say that I, I did enjoy it a little more the second time. I do feel it doesn't like as a fan of this franchise, um, there were some things about it. I liked, I liked that they rebuilt the original house, uh, that Lily Taylor, uh, Verna Carson lives in and they show quite a bit throughout, um, I appreciate how violent the movie is, but as a whole, it just doesn't. It just doesn't feel like a Texas Chainsaw movie. I mean, sure, there's a couple scenes where he's chasing people with chainsaws, but it's towards the end. Um, it just feels more like a road movie, like these bad guys on the road. You know, it almost has like a Devil's Rejects kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. I don't hate it. I just. It, it is my least though. But I, I will say I do love Lily Taylor. I love Lily Taylor in anything. So it was it's actually really nice to have her in um, in the movie. And I had actually forgotten how much uh, screen time she actually had. Like, I know she's a lot more in the beginning and then kind of there towards the end. But it was nice to have her in that movie. But yeah, unfortunately, it, it comes to my number nine on the list. Um, now I'm excited to see what Bill has on his. Bill. Oh, <laughs> yes. I, I have no idea what to expect from this. Yeah, I didn't tell him. I didn't. I, we didn't share our list before we came on. But now I know there are two that Doug and I are agreeing on. Okay, so the first for me is the original, you know, 1974. Uh, I guess because that's the very first one I saw live at the drive-in, and it made an impact on me. Um so I'll go with that for my first one. Um, my number two, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> my number two is Leatherface 2017. Oh, Bill. yes. I told you I liked it. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, like we both love Lily yeah. uh, to no end. I think she adds, That's this isn't the reason I like it, but I just think she adds like, a serious weight to any film she's in but that's not the reason i liked it and the funny thing is this was watching it today that was the first time that i've seen it mm -hmm. so i wish i'd seen it you know when it first came out just so that i would have a different mindset with with all the films up till now but what i liked was you know it showed his beginning and you know, the, the things that Doug said that he didn't like about it, I actually liked. And the things that you said you didn't like about it, I actually liked. <laughs> so it's kind of funny how it's reversed with with what they did with with leather with Leatherface. And one of the things Doug said was that and he didn't allude to anything because I was kind of confused watching it because, you know, I thought the heavyset kid was Leatherface. Right. And not uh, Jackson. So it never occurred to me that he was. And I understand, you know, what Doug says about, oh, you know, he's too good looking to be, you know, Leatherface. But honestly, we don't know, you know, what he would have looked like. Because even though the family that we see in the original movie, everyone's kind of like, okay, this family's really gross. You think they're inbred and, you know, because they're cannibals and, you know, they're just disgusting. But, you know, he grew in to become Leatherface because of what happened to him and his trauma. 
and yeah. all that. So, and then of course his, you know, horrible face, facial laceration that his mom, you know, sewed up for him and all that. And she put that, you know, the binder on his head to hold everything in. And then of course, you know, he makes his, his mask out of, you know, the girl that the nurse, you know, the sweet girl that tried to save him and help him. And I just, I don't know. I loved it. I don't, I, I really did. So that was my number two. And I thought that would shock a few people. Maybe <laughs> there's probably people out there cussing me out right now, but that's fine. Um, so my number three is. They're not, cussing, not cussing you out any more than they are me for putting mine at number five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, my number three is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. And I won't go too deep into that because we already discussed that earlier. So, um, so that was my number three. My number four is Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 from 1990. Um, I loved that one uh, with, you know, it had Ken Foray. Just the whole, the setting, um, the way it played out, uh, I, I loved it. Um, and for all the things, you know, like Doug said about it um, earlier. Um, the whole situation with them, you know, like trying to get away from Leatherface, you know, they stop at the gas station and they get ran off the road and all that happens. And that's where they meet, you know, Ken's character. And it just where it goes from there. It just it had a good solid story and it was better than I originally thought it was that I, when I had seen it years ago. So that was my uh, number four, my number five. And this is where it gets interesting for me because I changed these three times wow. between five, six, and seven. So for my number five, it's Texas Chainsaw 3D from 2013. Um, I had a hard time. I switched these around so much because, well, I'll tell after and then I'll just tell the order I had them in and then I'll tell after why I changed or what changed them for me. Um, so my number six is the remake, Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake in 2003. Um, and of course, you know, I like Jessica Biel in this. She was really good, um, you know, and with how they followed the storyline and everything. Of course, you know, there was some differences because it was, you know, updated. And, uh, so originally that was my five. Um, but then I changed to six because I really liked... 3d more than i liked the remake so i switched it in there and so between my six and seven that was my six the remake the seven for me is texas chainsaw massacre uh the beginning uh the one with uh, matt bomer and uh jordana, jordana brewster um that one maybe if <laughs> That I think that was the one that I didn't revisit, and it's been a while, so that might change maybe with the remake and Texas Chainsaw 3D. So, but that fell at seven for me. I moved it down just because I wasn't quite sure about that one. Um, so then my number eight is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> now. I will say, I you know, 
Caroline's in it, you know, Dennis Hopper, you know, I love them. But that movie, after seeing the first one and then going to that one, I can understand the humor and I can understand Toby Hooper, you know, saying, oh, you know, I didn't think I could match that first one. The script, I think, is solid in how they did it and what they uh, created for the whole movie. But instead of taking all that humor, I thought if they had made that darker, I think it probably could have been as good as the first one. Now, if I just take it for the humor, yeah, it's funny and whatever, but it just didn't. It didn't do it for me at all. My number nine, of course, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation. Um, <laughs> for it being a horror movie and being about it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie and the way Leatherface is portrayed <laughs> as this groveling, crying, scared, anxious, pitiful creature that Renee Zellweger's character totally just cut him down to like nothing, told him to shut up, sit down, whatever. And <laughs> Leatherface does it. And I'm like, all he had to do was pick up a chainsaw right then and just, he could have ended everything right then. Yep. Uh, now I, I'll backtrack and say for the humor, oh, like the Heather character, that poor girl. I mean, they wrote that girl to be as dumb as a bag of rocks. But the, <laughs> the lines that she came up with and the deadpan delivery of everything she said. Barry. Barry. You know, let's go let a, oh, I just out of nowhere. Let's go let a fire. Let's just go sit down by a fire. And then later on, she's sitting there on the porch and she's like fanning herself and pulling her. I'm like, is it hot or is it cold? Make up your mind, sis. Right. You know, I don't know. So that is my least out of all of them. Looking from the standpoint of it being a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Because like we said, there were no chainsaw killings in that movie. Yeah, none in the I mean, hardcore. Yeah. So anyway, so that's my list. It's uh it, it's fascinating to see both of your lists and where it falls because these movies are so, each movie is really so different. So different, completely. So you have to take them for what they are, basically. I like that we were able to watch them all in such a short amount of time. What I'm actually shocked the most about is how high we all rated the newest entry of this uh, franchise. Mm -hmm. I uh. think... I think with some more rewatches, because this is just my initial watch and just me thinking of how I'm going to rewatch it. And I, I really do think that it's going to be one that I will probably watch a lot more than some of the others. Um, but uh, yeah, this was this was pretty much a blast for me. Did you guys enjoy rewatching the whole franchise again and some for the first time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm always down to watch, you know, uh, my underdog Leatherface anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and it was nice to, you know, uh, watch a few of them with Bill because. Uh, oh, yeah. It, some it, of them he, you know, obviously he didn't remember. I don't even think maybe you hadn't seen maybe one of them or, yeah, one of them. Leather, Leatherface. Yeah, Leatherface. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. 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 
uh, I want to thank you both for joining today. This was a this was a fun conversation, and I look forward to mm-hmm. having you both on again for the future. I think we're off to a pretty strong start for 2022 horror. What do you guys think? Oh yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was pleasantly surprised with this new Texas Chainsaw. Uh, knowing all the production problems, you know, from a year ago, and you know, and then when they said it wasn't going to go to theaters, and I was very happy with what we got on Netflix. Yeah, I would have really liked to have seen this in the theater. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think that score would have been amplified because I think that's the only thing that took me out of it is I have good surround sound, and you know, you can only do so much at home, but just having that really theater quality is nothing can top that experience um Mm -hmm. in a movie like this on the on the big screen so uh hopefully netflix at least listens to us fans and puts a nice physical release out or they even gift us with a box set maybe screen factory or somebody will do a cool box set who knows um there's definitely a market for it uh as for collectors uh, i would certainly scoop it up um So with that, um, as always, uh, like I said, I want to thank you two for joining today. And uh, you can uh, follow me at Fatal Follower Presents a podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Horror Amino. And uh, you can reach out to me at Fatal Follower Presents at Gmail. And uh, that's it. Stay safe, stay spooky, stay away from the woods and away from the Hewitts.